Andrew, welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast where we look back on very special episodes from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and see what they have to teach us today. Folks, we're not going another step further because we've got some important business. Important business. We are very excited because today we are drawing the winner for the very special prize package from our Click or Treat listener drive. Every single person who left us an iTunes review or tagged a friend in one of our social media posts or shared one of our social media posts will receive in the mail an exclusive Hugging and Learning sticker. And the individual whose name we are about the poll is going to receive several stickers, the only currently extant hugging and learning learning mug. Congratulations. Save that. (laughs) Put it it in a Ziploc bag forever. A copy of The Hero with a Thousand Faces Mm -hmm. and a ton of snacks. Good Lord, the snacks. As well as a shout out on the air right now. We're going to do that real quick before we do this drawing. If you did one of those things for the Click or Treat drive and you haven't gotten us your physical address yet and you want that sticker, hit us up, please. Yeah, send us an email at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com and we will ship that sticker right out to you. All right, let's do this. I'm assuming there's a drum roll already happening. (laughs) I wrote everyone's names on slips of paper, old school style. All right, it's happening, folks. Chelsea, eyes closed, reaching into the bowl. The winner is... She's got the name. It is... Tiffany Morgan. Tiffany Morgan, you did it. pal Timo. Hot damn. Tiffany Morgan is a person that we know from our time in Virginia. She's really cool, and we're excited to get to send her this prize package. I do not know her, but since she is a native Virginian, and I am from Fancy Gap, my (laughs) greetings to you, (laughs) Tiffany Morgan, on behalf Um, of the Commonwealth that we both shared. Thanks so much to all of the people that we we need to send stickers to, both friends of ours and total strangers that are now feel like friends of ours. Timo, we're going to get this box out to you this week. And everyone else, your stickers are on the way. Thank you again so much, everybody, for doing this. It was such a great success. We're definitely doing this again soon. So if you didn't win the grand prize this time, Hang tight. Yeah, this was really fun. Guys, we're very excited today. A lot. We're breaking a lot of ground on this episode of Hugging and Learning. We're doing our first hour-long episode. Yep. We're doing our first drama. Action drama. And <laughs> we're doing our first animal-based very special episode. Yes, uh, both obviously something that Chelsea and I feel very strongly about, and there's a lot to go over in this episode. It is... Black Rhino, the episode of MacGyver that originally aired on November 13th, 1989, so almost exactly to the day when we're releasing My this God. episode. Yeah. This is season five, episode eight, written by Paul B. Mar- Margolis or Margolis. Margolis. And you can watch it on Amazon Prime Video. All of MacGyver is included on Amazon Prime Video. And, um, you uh, know, do it. Yeah. You might want to, you might do yourself a service, by the way, like finding a list that's like the 10 best MacGyver episodes. If you've mm-hmm. never seen it before, and just doing those because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of filler, a lot of MacGyver. There's seven seasons, yep. 139 episodes from 1985 to 1992. Fun fact: Henry Winkler 
executive producer. I saw that at the end and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So before we dive into all of the MacGyvering, what is this snack that you have brought to us from the bowels of I hell? Just, <laughs> I just happened upon this at the store. I've never heard of this or seen this before or understand why it exists. It does say it's new. So maybe that's why I haven't seen it before. Or understand why it exists. <laughs> <laughs> it is Skittles, but it is sweet heat Skittles, fruity flavors, or the spicy kick. Yeah. Now, I am a big fan of sweet and spicy things together, but this looks like it's going to be an abomination. It is an abomination. There's no there's no arguing that. Read Nothing those flavors out natural is happening here. And of course, I hate spicy things, so <laughs> one would wonder why I bought this. Bought I don't know. Uh, self-hate. They have five flavors here. Flamin' Orange, Sizzlin' Strawberry, Lemon Spark, running out of ideas, <laughs> Fiery Watermelon, and Blazing Mango. All right. Oh, I looked this up. They're all available for professional wrestlers' name if you want to be that. <laughs> Here's some hats off to you, future Blazing Mango. I am going to eat each of them individually Same. and form five separate opinions. As much as I can eat them, let's do this. I'm so lonely. Thoughts? I'm still alive, so apparently <laughs> this did not do its job. I, I guess so. We tried one of each of the flavors yeah. which we listed, and I don't, I don't know. It was like a. It's less spicy and more of a chemical burn. It is an absolute chemical burn. Yeah, it's kind of like the spiciness of um, like a stick of cinnamon chewing gum. Yeah, like a little tingle on the tongue. Right. Not anything identifiable as like, oh, that's cayenne pepper. Oh, that's habanero. Yeah, it's just like a little bit of like lye on your right. tongue. I will say, if I had to pick a favorite, I didn't hate the blazing mango as much as the others. It's just, it's just whatever. I, I mean, I get it. They, it feels like they substituted the actual taste of Skittles for like a quick needle on your tongue. Yeah, it's like, it's like hey. There you go. Like, I feel like these would be a fun thing to put out at a party and with no explanation. Yeah. Just let it happen. It's not really a prank, though. It's more like... People being like, what is this? Are these bad? Uh, it's 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 a way to get people to ask, I'm sorry, I think those Skittles have turned. <laughs> I didn't know Skittles would go Can rotten. Can they sour? I feel like they're sour. I think we've been food poisoned by these Skittles. <laughs> There's a lawsuit happening. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Let's let's get into this episode. We have Skittles so much to, to talk about. We got time for Skittle talk. We got to get on to this episode of MacGyver. Now, uh, it's my understanding that out of everybody in this room, Boudin included, Miles mm -hmm. and I are the only ones who watched this series. I absolutely love this show. It defined my childhood. But as hard as I can remember, I actually don't remember any details, any specific details about the show. I just remember as a feeling, as a, as a kid, the, the ingenuity and the creativity and how he was always the underdog, but always, you know, just tinkered his way through and, and really just brainiacked his way to the top. Yep. I loved it. I have seen episodes of this show. I didn't watch oh. it with any regularity. Sure. Although I realized at some point... I don't know what MacGyver's job is. I looked, I looked it up. I was like, I know MacGyver uses ingenuity. He's scrappy. He always like figures out how to get out of, you know, diffuse a bomb with only a paper clip and That's a stick of thing. chewing gum. Yeah. But I was like, 
wait, why? When I sat down to watch this episode, so I had to look up yeah. what his actual job the is. The Phoenix Foundation. Yes. So, turns out, yeah. young war hero, Angus Mac MacGyver, has an extraordinary knack for unconventional problem solving and extensive bank of scientific knowledge that he believes can best be put to use saving lives, both of which come in handy when he creates a clandestine organization within the U.S. government oh to tackle high-risk missions around the world. Working under the sponsorship of the Department of External Affairs, MacGyver quietly <sighs> prevents disasters with the help of former CIA agent Jack Dalton. Who is not featured in this episode. First things first, you have spilled the greatest reveal of all time, which was MacGyver's first name. <laughs> Angus. Angus, which was not revealed until season seven, episode wow. seven, in a two-part episode that I clearly remember being like, we're going to find out what MacGyver's first name is, everybody. He's the Mr. Big of action dramas. Watch out. Homer Jason. <laughs> Angus Mac MacGyver. <laughs> My name is Guy MacGyver. Uh, yeah, and he has to go to like, it's some weird thing where he's investigating a castle and the name written on there is an ancestor who shares his name. And so he just holds a torch up and on the wall is written Angus and you all go, huh. Oh. Like, what did we expect? But they hyped it. They have the fuck out of it. Well, that's like the very final episode of Sex and the City. You finally find out what Mr. Big's name is. Yeah, and it's Dick. John. Ma- it's Dick McBig. It's John. It is it? It's John. Oh, who knew? Uh, so yeah, so. We that's... get the theme song. It's a, first a bunch of hand close-ups followed by an explosion. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a Richard Dean Anderson highlight reel. So here's how I wrote down the opening credits. Science, 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 explosion. Richard Dean Anderson, fire, sparks, a cobra, <laughs> MacGyver size. Boy, what a day. He has a mullet blessed by God. Jesus, the, the mullet on this guy. <laughs> to start the with the mullet. The feathery, light as air mullet. It's like if God had a mullet. It really is. It doesn't look greasy, Mm-mm. not a hair out of place. Mm-mm. It is the platonic ideal of a mullet. It is what every other mullet is striving for and failing. It's business in the front and then party, serious party in the back. <laughs> Business party. It's like business in the front, front, and then like a business like a gathering. business mixer in the yeah. back. Yeah, it's like a networking like event we, in the back. Yeah, it's like a LinkedIn mixer. Um, so, so we start this episode out at the Phoenix Foundation. Yes, and a character named Pete is yelling into the phone, saying Billy Colton has compromised our files, and he wants it looked into. And Billy, of course, this is not a special guest thing as much as a person who was on the show who later went on to become famous yeah. for other reasons. Billy is played by a very young Cuba Gooding Jr. Very young, but very good. I mean, yeah. he does fine. It turns out that Billy is a friend of MacGyver's who MacGyver recommended to be in the mailroom here. And he has up and disappeared, stealing some files on a poacher in Africa named Ladysmith. Named Ladysmith. And I wrote uh, down here, Ladysmith is to poaching as Pimp Mike is to pimpistry. <laughs> um, there's also a moment where MacGyver refers to him as a slime ball. And I was like, I feel like that's mm. a... An understatement. A bit of an understatement. A bit of an understatement. But I think that's as far as MacGyver goes. Uh, um, he's this is that's the setup though. Billy. Yeah. He's used the company credit card, the company travel yep. account, to go to Africa where he's going to try to apprehend Lady Smith the poacher and get a reward. Fifty thousand dollars. Just like his two bounty hunter brothers, who also work in Africa, and MacGyver must go. Yes, because they can't get in touch with his brothers. Yeah. And he's going he's like a kid he's like what 20 or something yeah pete says besides his brothers macgyver you're the closest thing he has to family 
Billy has left behind maps and articles and things with red circles on them. <laughs> yeah. He's gone to chase a ruthless killer and MacGyver has to go find him. So this is the call to adventure. This yeah. person that is very dear to you has gone, have gotten way over his head. He has no experience as a bounty hunter. And this is the guy, his two brothers who are bounty hunters haven't been able to catch. Nope. And he's going to go show them that he's just as good as they are. And speaking of audacity, season five MacGyver has the audacity to go, I can't just... Go, go to, to Africa. Africa. I'm pretty yeah. sure by this time he's gone to the North Pole and the Moon. Right. I'm it's, pretty it's sure. Like, he... What else would you have? Like your bowling league or something? Like, yeah. Why can't you just go to your whole job is going to going places. to Africa? So, um, but this answered the question for me because when I saw the title of the episode, I was like, "How is MacGyver going to save all the black rhinos?" But it turns out he just is going to save Billy. And yeah. Then the rhinos are kind of involved. Like involved, he gets sure. concerned when he gets there about them. They're involved in the saving. And we right. need to learn all about that. Yeah. A so, literal a, fucking dump truck of exposition has been right. dumped in this scene. And, and we've had the call. Through it. We've had the call to adventure. And now we've had the refusal of the call. Right. The I can't just go to Africa. Absolutely. And so scene two is Africa. Africa. So the special world. I mean, it is cut and dried. Ordinary world. America. Yeah. Special world. Africa. The fictional African country of Kambezi, which is an African country that was supposed to be near Zimbabwe and South Africa and was created specially for MacGyver, but then later referred to in Blindspot. How strange. There is a Wikipedia page, which is all the fictional African countries that have ever been created for media, and it is fascinating. So you hear that, blind spotters? You and MacGyverites have a lot in common. <laughs> it's a share universe where yeah. Kambezi is a, an African country. So the scene is MacGyver driving through, quote... Africa, unquote, while he stares appreciatively at stock footage. Um, he's jeeping across, is what's happening. And I'm going to use jeep as a verb a Please lot do. in this episode. And we're listening to, I think, <laughs> Ladysmith Black Mombazo. Is that true? I thought it was I Paul could... Simon's uh, backup band that had escaped. Uh, that is who he uses on Graceland. It's there we go. a band called Ladysmith Black Mombazo. We're both right. Um, and But I couldn't find anywhere who it I is that's either. singing. But it sounds like, um, that's what it sounds like to me. And MacGyver is... For all his protestations about not just being able to go to Africa. He's loving it. He's like smiling. He's yeah. looking at zebra. It smells like adventure. He's got a Jeep. He's super excited. <laughs> Jeeping around smiling like a loon at <laughs> yep. stock footage. And he gets to the Nabo Ranch protected game sanctuary where he is greeted by a security guard with a large gun yep. and ushered onto the compound. And at this point, we get writ large on the screen no animals were injured in this, but there is a simulated scene of an animal being oh, injured. We're going to talk am, about it so much. I, my heart sinks at this point because I'm like, I'm very sensitive to that. Oh. And no, I mean, I'm not, no, no, I, this no, no, is no. not a heroic thing. Your heart thing. is right to sink because, well, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But he literally crosses through a gate to the ranch. So that's the crossing of the first threshold within yeah. the special world. Poaching, kidnapping. These are just a couple of the things he's, you know, he's lost friend. These are all the problems that Stock await footage, him. A monkey. <laughs> he drives up to a funeral. There's a funeral happening for a ranger named Sam mm -hmm. who was killed by poachers who were stealing a cache of black rhino horns yes. that the reserve was planning to burn in a basically a publicity stunt. Uh, a small crowd stands around his grave and Kate Hubley, the female British female director of the game preserve is giving a eulogy 
And she says, we won't let you down, Sam. We'll get the horns back, whatever it takes. And then she speaks in an African dialect. And later they talk about speaking Swahili. But mm. since Kambezi is a fictional country, I, I don't know what don't language know they're in, supposed to be speaking at any point in time. My sister speaks Swahili. I wish oh, she well. were here. <laughs> Chelsea, uh, would it surprise you to know that the actress who plays Kate is not herself British? No, because her accent is yes. not that great. This character is from a British town I like to call San Diego upon the Thames. <laughs> We're not even there yet, but Lady Smith has the worst South African accent you've ever heard oh, in yeah. her entire yeah, life yeah, yeah. as this well. Is not great. <laughs> San At this Diego point, at this point, I write down, I miss sitcoms. There's so much plot here. <laughs> oh, my God. And we're this is third a, scene. Although a moment that's generally funny to me happens where MacGyver, the only other white person in 100 miles, goes over to Kate and she just looks at him kind of pleasantly like they're in the grocery store and she's not quite <laughs> sure like yes, what neighbor? he wants from her. And she says... Um, she, he's like, I'm, I'm MacGyver. And she's like, oh yeah, I've been expecting you. So like, why does he have to introduce himself? She just so nonchalant. This American dude just shows up on the reserve and she's like looking at him very mildly. Who are you though? Yeah. <laughs> um. Which tribe are you from? Good sir. Right. But then. So she has to go uh, talk to the family, and this is when MacGyver meets General Mabuto. 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 Yes, he comes over and introduces himself, and he says the whitest line ever written by a white line writer. It is not every white heiress who would come to a black country and create a sanctuary (laughs) for endangered animals. Uh, Um, Messiah complex? (laughs) Pretty much. Now, his assistant... Uh, who's in a uniform as well is uh, an actor named Tony Todd who played Candyman. Oh my God! It's nice to see that Candyman found a nice military career. P.S. Here's a show idea. Captain Candyman, a military father, tries to balance work and fatherhood and being a vengeful ghost. People say his name three times at the most inconvenient moments. He's taking a shower and someone says, Dad, Dad, Dad. He's like, oh, I'm in a board meeting. Uh, the, the life no, I can't adventures. believe you just put that out for free. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, TM, take TM, that. TM, TM. Also, working first name for this guy is Captain Randy Candyman. Feel <laughs> 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 like that drives it home. Mabuto is acting shifty <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, he's. Um, uh, he tells MacGyver that even with his soldiers backing up Kate's Rangers, there isn't enough manpower to stop all these poachers. And he says, "Are you here to help?" And MacGyver says, "No, I'm here on a personal matter." And Mabuto says, "Good." Africa is like a sleeping lion. Very beautiful. When left alone. And then he creeps off. I don't trust him at Followed all. Followed by fucking Candyman. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not great. Then MacGyver shows Kate a picture of Billy. And because Kate has never seen the movie Snow Dogs, she says, he doesn't look familiar. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I haven't seen Jerry Maguire yet. <laughs> it's just an out. Here in Africa or the world. Right. So cut to a box full of rhino horns, which we, we <sighs> guess yeah. is the, we assume is the missing cache. And Billy freaking Colton, Cuba Gooding Jr., just standing over it. And I'm like, what's going on here? Is yeah. he a double agent? It's not super clear. It looks like he's, he's, he's undercover. What I've written down here is he's undercover as a poacher's assistant. <laughs> he's walking around looking at all the smuggled goods being besmuggled. Yeah. And he pauses to pull the wanted poster of Lady Smith out of his pocket to compare it to Lady Smith, who is walking around because he wants who, to get shot. Yeah. Leave and that by the home. way, uh, is he a white guy? Then there's a 30% chance <laughs> that he's the bad guy in this episode. Uh, and uh, Lady Smith is, uh, arrives with 
Mobuto. Mobuto. So we don't have to wonder for very long if he's shifty. He, yeah. He's right there. He's the supplier. He's the person giving Lady Smith these horns. Yes. Um, and he's clearly, you know, despite everything he says, he's working for the bad guys. Yeah. So they have a uh, Lady Smith and Mobuto have a um, meeting in this sugar warehouse. Yeah. Billy sneaks in to drop some eaves. And so not only are they smuggling uh, these horns, but they're also smuggling something in these sugar packets. Mm -hmm. And uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. says very quietly, drugs? (laughs) (laughs) And then we're all supposed to be on that trail, though. Then we're all like, okay, "Okay, it's it's drugs. drugs. Yeah, yeah. And Lady Smith and Mabuto have a bit of a uh, kerfuffle (laughs) because Mabuto says, uh, where's my money? And Lady Smith says, I'll pay you when the product is safely across the border in South Africa. And Mabuto says, I risk everything. Give me the money. And he grabs Lady Smith and Lady Smith says, no black man touches me and pulls a gun on him. Yeah. Whoops. Hey, racist. Do you realize where you chose to <laughs> right. do business? But it's okay because Mabuto gets his own back in a bit. But Lady Smith introduces the name of this character, Chan. Chan is the big mm-hmm. kahuna, the buyer, maybe a fence, but he's the person that the, the horns are going to next. And Lady Smith tells conveniently because Billy's eavesdropping. He tells Mabuto when and where he's meeting Chan to do the deal. And then as soon as he puts his gun down, Mabuto pulls a knife yeah. and says, if you don't give me my money, you will not have to worry again about a black man touching you. Because I'll cut you up into little pieces, yeah. which I'm assuming somebody's going to have to handle those. Yeah. We're going to get a white guy to handle those. <laughs> I promise. Um, back at the literal ranch. Back at the literal ranch. Yep. <laughs> MacGyver is just casually petting a chimpanzee and watching rhinos fight in the middle distance. This this stock footage, by the way, <laughs> that we're using throughout, it's mostly passable. But this stock footage <laughs> is grainy. This looks it's like it's in 19- front of a mountain. We haven't seen any <laughs> mountains anywhere. <laughs> There's a lion in the background being like, "I shouldn't be here." I guess. <laughs> uh, it's just. It looks like it was shot in the 30s and like technicolorized anyway he's talking about how great the black rhinos are and kate gets a call that there are poachers in the area got a poacher alert macgyver offers to help action music starts they jeep off together and (laughs) i my my note (laughs) note to myself is how many minutes before they kiss um so too yeah but it doesn't this is a very serious episode so spoiler alert they they are not gonna kiss so Um, they jeep off to the middle of uh I don't know. Where Griffith, somewhere. Griffith Park. <laughs> and the Rangers have found the poacher. They've caught yeah. him. And in the poacher's bag are some recently severed. Just bloody rhino, rhino horns. horns. Yeah. And the poacher is just a kid. And then the rhino, we hear this rhino bleeding mm. and moaning. It is very disturbing sound. Yes. Kate and MacGyver run off to find this animatronic rhino that's yeah moaning and crying and it's just got like a bloody nose where this its horns have been sliced off Mm -hmm. what is your feeling about this mechanical rhino i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't i was like so anxious about this moment in this and then it's just an animatronic rhino yeah but it looks convincing not to me oh my god it's little ears were moving it's so trivia this is a forty thousand dollar mechanical rhino it is made by the same puppeteering team that brought E.T. to life. I think it, the sound is incredibly sure. horrible. And but the thing looks like it's escaped from Disney's Hall of Rhino Presidents. <laughs> oh, my God. And then beside it is a goddamn bloody chainsaw. Yeah. This thing is not, not looking good. Yeah. And in the words of Joe, I am fucking shook. I am shook as well. 
So Lorano doesn't look long for this world. And it's in serious pain. Yeah, and one of the rangers who's nearby shakes his head at Kate, indicating that he is not going to make it and will never live out his dream of playing synthesizers for Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, another one bites the dust. So Kate shoots the rhino herself, though it makes her cry. And just right before it dies, it lets out one last, yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. MacGyver is disturbed. Everybody shook in this shit. And then they do not pan away. It is a long, no, it's a long slow shot. crane shot out of this nightmare. Which is very effective. I don't want to make it sound like I'm a heartless piece of shit here, people. I just, when I see an animatronic thing, I think of Disney and Chuck E. Cheese. But what's the alternative? They can't use a real rhino. They can't. No, you know? there's no alternative at all, but uh, I just that's the association that I have. I was heartily disturbed by this Fair enough. Scene. That last shot is very effective. It's in silence. It's a long pull back crane shot. Yeah. And that's the end of this act. Yeah. So then they go back to the ranch and the poacher that was caught has revealed to the rangers that he was involved with the horn heist. And he says something about a sugar house and Kate puts those pieces together and she says, Oh, there's a sugar refinery in Nabo. And she and MacGyver jeep off to the sugar refinery. It's in Cambizi. Cambizi is the country, Nabo okay. is the region. Man, this is whatever. all made up. It's a- I know, but even though that's why I don't recognize these African right. regions. So they're talking in the car and Kate says she wants to hate the poachers, but one horn is worth a year's wages. And it's the suppliers that need to be stopped. Uh, they charge more for the horns than gold. There are less than 3,500 black rhinos left on earth. And she sourly says, after the supply is gone, the demand is irrelevant. So... Yeah, so now we're at the refinery. The sugar house. And um, Cuba Gooding Jr. still creeping around a boat. (laughs) You know... He's somehow gotten himself hired, or maybe he's just picked up a box to load. I guess so. We'll, We'll find out in a second that he's not... Anyway, so... Has not thought this through. Nearby, Tony Todd is now out of uniform. Guarding the place, Captain Candyman is now mercenary Candyman, and it's sad to watch a vengeful ghost caught up in in the crime scene. Yeah, it's a shame. It's all they Although, it's all they can who do. Who is better at smuggling than ghosts? It's true. What they should do is give it to Candyman, and then somebody in a different country says Candyman. Yeah, that would be the most effective smuggling oh operation ever. So, a Billy ha- ducks behind some crates, and he breaks open a box, and he gets one of those little sugar packets yeah. into his pocket, and he's it's obvious he's gonna try to investigate it and then Mobuto and a, and uh, Captain Candyman spot him. I've written down Cuba Gooding Jr. says nameless guard three times and Tony Todd appears. <laughs> and they're speaking in Swahili, I mean, uh, allegedly and we don't know what they're saying. There are no subtitles or anything, mm-hmm. but then when he, when um, Billy doesn't react, Mobuto says he doesn't s- speak Swahili. He says, thief, shoot him. And Billy screams, no. And the fact that he speaks English makes them think he's a spy. Yeah, and he says, no, no, no. I work for uh, Ladysmith. Uh, I'm here to just check things out and stuff. And Mobuto who does not like Lady Smith, is like, great, hang Hang this guy. Freaking hang him. So, okay. Um, Then we go back to Kate and MacGyver, who are riding up to the, riding up to the, jeeping up to the, we go back to Kate and MacGyver, who are jeeping up to the um, sugar house. And we should say all of the men, except for the two assigned to hang Billy, have driven off in a truck or gone off in the boat, which oh. is good because I didn't really like MacGyver's odds before when there were two dozen no. people with guns. But now it's just the two dudes, Billy, MacGyver and Kate and the Jeep. Yeah. So uh, he's like, let's go around to the back. Which yeah. Is a this wise is not move. his first rodeo. He sees the boat. He sees the horns on the boat, sees it go off. And then here's a commotion. 
and sees that Billy is about to be hung, I guess just on a off of a house. Why would they not shoot? Oh, because they're sending a message to Lady Smith. Sure. Um, so uh, they let this go on for an uncomfortable amount of they time. Do. They get the noose around his neck. Yeah. They're, th- they're throwing it over this board. It's, it looks like they're actually, and he's screaming, um, trying to fight back. And the, you know, it's just really quite disturbing. I will say that it would look, a million times more disturbing if the two guys doing the hanging were also were were white instead of also being black. Sure, um, it's but just it, not. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's, so it's uncomfortable. Just a weird thing to have happen right now. So well, but it's because then MacGyver can put his MacGyvering into action. But that's the thing. All right, so we this is the way that MacGyver works. Is there's a problem and MacGyver uses his advanced scientific and sometimes trivial knowledge to be like, I'll take this and this and I'll put them together in this unexpected way Mm -hmm. and explain to people what I'm doing so Mm -hmm. then they'll know that I'm using science and then I'll create some sort of distraction or explosion or diffuse the situation literally or figuratively Mm -hmm. uh, with science. So this is our first like MacGyver plan, like this big, this is what this episode's about. And here's the plan. You drive towards those guys, and I'll cut the rope. With a machete I found. With a machete that I found, and then I'll yell at Cuba Gooding Jr., run! <laughs> and then we'll drive away. It's not his most scientific plan. It's not. It's, it's barely his most faith-based. <laughs> but it works. It, it does work. Uh, it's just so disappointing as a... Yeah, but uh, they drive off in a hail of bullets, the two guys. As soon as yeah. they get Cuba Gooding Jr. into the Jeep, the they start getting fired upon. But they all get away, and then... <laughs> I guess what's supposed to be a joke. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Billy says, MacGyver, what are you doing here? And MacGyver says, I'll ask the questions. What are you doing here? It's MacGyver's like you both know. Obviously, <laughs> B- MacGyver, you know why Billy is there. That's why you went after him. And yeah. Billy, you know why MacGyver's here. He's saving your ass. Yeah. He's not just in the neighborhood. Also, nobody got the same director's notes on this. <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr.'s like, MacGyver, what are you doing here? And MacGyver's like, no. <laughs> I'll ask the questions. What are you doing here? And it's just like, whoa, dude. Whoa. Whoa. Calm down, MacGyver. Whoa. And that's the end of that scene. God. Uh, no, that's the end of that act. Now we're in act yeah, three. Back at the ranch. And this is one of my favorite things in an episode of TV like this, when the pieces all come together and everybody mm. puts together the bits that they know. And we actually do get some MacGyver science-iness. Yes. Um, the pieces come together based on Billy's detective work and MacGyver's ability to make a filter from a napkin. Um, Again, this is our big MacGyver moment. And it's like... I'm going to pour this through a napkin and then taste it. He is like putting all of this shit like in his mouth, like a fucking toddler. (laughs) MacGyver is like, I don't know. How's it taste? But they realize that it's not when they tear open the sugar packet that Billy has grabbed from the crate. Mm. It isn't drugs that they're smuggling. It's, it's granulated uh, horn and the chopped up horn. uh, Kate knows because it's her business to know the chopped up horn. This in, in the packets goes to the Asian markets and the whole horn goes to North Yemen, which means that Lady Smith is dealing to two different markets. Right. Don't know exactly why in the overall course of the plot of the episode, it matters that they're dealing to two different markets, but it is they're... a fun chance for everybody to put their knowledge together and be like, we've got the whole picture now because we're all putting our heads together. If I if I have to take a guess, it's, to, it's the episode using it as a tool to make sure people know 
where the markets are for this. Right. So with the intention that, okay, we're going to write this episode and maybe we'll get that import ban on it. Right. There's, and they'll know exactly. where, I mean, to, where yes. those bans need to happen. The uh, the exposition in this episode is is just right out front and center. They're not even trying to make it sound like it comes up conversationally. They might as well be saying it to the camera. Yeah. There's a lot of, oh, you don't know about this. Let me tell you about it. Um, and then they tell us things we as the audience need to know. Sure. Um, so the whole plan that Cuba Gooding, over, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. has overheard is that Lady Smith is meeting a guy named Chan at the Golden City Resort in the Safari Room. We get it. Which is in South Africa, which yep. is about an hour downriver. Before this, we should say, when they first get back, Billy and MacGyver get into a fight. Mm. And Billy said, I just want to prove that I'm as good as my brothers. Yeah. And MacGyver says, your brothers are professionals. And that means they know that you take things step by step. You plan carefully and you ask for help when you need it. That's yeah. what it means to be a professional. And Billy is upset and Kate sort of diffuses it. And so then after they talk about this plan or they talk about this meeting, MacGyver says, uh, I have a plan, but I need your help, Billy. There you go. And the electric guitar of new understanding wails in the background. <laughs> uh, Jimi Hendrix, are you empathetic, please? Uh, so there were the, we go to the Golden City Resort. Uh, and and the, suddenly white folk everywhere. Yeah, who knew that? I, <laughs> Up to, we're in South Africa Somebody now, should look so. into this. <laughs> uh, so here's the plan. MacGyver's going to pretend to be an associate of Chan, but this meeting is happening at a very specific time, so Cuba Gooding Jr. will have to go and quote-unquote distract Chan so that he doesn't come down so MacGyver can pretend to be his associate. So Cuba Gooding Jr. goes up and uses all of his smarts to punch Chan in the yeah, face. He, sna- he snags like a waiter's uniform from the resort and goes undercover. And then when Chan opens the door, he says room service and Chan's like, what? And then he punches him in the face. And I'm like, why did you waste time getting that yeah. uniform? If you were going to punch him in the face. Yeah. At, you could have just, he could have opened the door and you could have been like, oh, sorry, this is not my room. And then punch punched him in, in the, the face. face. Yeah, absolutely. Or you could have stood by the door, wait for him to leave for this meeting that punch you know he's going to punch him in the face. There's, you don't need, i tell you what, your plan doesn't need steps if it ends with punch him in the face. I think that this is partly to show that Billy has ingenuity too. And, sure. Because he sees the waiter and he's like, aha. Um, so, yeah. All right, whatever. Fair. So, we're um, back in the safari room. Yeah, Chan doesn't show up for the meeting. And so, MacGyver goes over to the table and says, oh, I work for Chan. And mm. Lady Smith is hesitant. And even with his trademark charm and trustworthy mullet, <laughs> MacGyver cannot bring Lady Smith around to trust. No, the whole thing is show us where the horns are, then we'll give you the money. And Lady Smith is, that's not part of the deal. Yeah, his South African accent is is awful. By the way, this is the guy who played the part, the role of the German in Three Amigos. Oh, you're right. His German accent was marginally better. He might be German. (laughs) That Um, might be the reason for that. I don't know. But they come up with a new deal, which is uh, this whole deal is just so they can get to a dam and have a dramatic confrontation on a dam. But Lady Smith says, I'm going to take Kate because Kate has come over at this point. She's like, I'm an associate, too, when she sees that Lady Smith's going to leave. And Lady Smith says, I'll show her the horns. And you have to arrive, MacGyver, within five minutes with the money. And if you don't, and then he says, racist shit. What is that? Oh, he says, if you don't arrive within five minutes, the natives will have a new toy to play with. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh man, I missed that. Oh, it's bad. Because I can only pay attention to twenty minutes of TV at a time yeah. anymore. It's bad. Uh, it's bad from a misogyny perspective. It's bad from a racism perspective. It's bad from a colonialism perspective. It's just real bad. I kind of expected more out of this arch villain. So <laughs> we're at the docks, I guess. A bridge and some docks and yeah, stuff. a dam and a dam. Um, this seems like it's the an perfect... inherently dangerous location. That's why well, they it seems it. like it's just perfect for adventure, of which we get very little. Yeah, and we're approaching the inmost cave. Right. So they see that Mambuto is on the bridge, and this is a revelation to them that Mambuto and Tony Todd have double crossed. Right, because Billy didn't know his name. So when he yes. was like, this guy and this guy, you know, showed up and took the horns, but he didn't know that Mabuto knew Kate or that he was, you know, worked for the government or anything. Yes. So the boat full of horns has arrived. Mabuto is there with Captain Candyman. <laughs> and MacGyver says, he's ahead of the Cambesian Defense Force. He knows Kate. If he sees her, she's dead. That's that. And then we go out of the act and come back in act four to the exact same moment. Well, he says, we got to get down there before... Mabuto sees Kate, and Billy says, how are we going to do that? And MacGyver says, Shinglebolt Flume. I really thought that something magic was going to happen based no, on No, you know what happened was magic. It's the world's most dramatic water slide sequence. Jesus. Complete with I, a big drop at the end. Again, MacGyver's plan, trademark, <laughs> is just step one, slide, slide. down the flume. <laughs> yeah. yep. Step two, be done sliding down the flume. <laughs> but it's effective they get from the top of the dam to the bottom. Yeah, wow. And now Take they're that walking. <laughs> now they're in a position to see Kate and Lady Smith before Mabuto does. So MacGyver uh, finishes his plan. <laughs> Sorry, I have here. Lady Smith meets with Mabuto and somebody says double cross three times because Candyman pulls a gun on him. <laughs> God, your favorite thing about this episode so is that Mac- MacGyver. In it. <laughs> so MacGyver finishes his shingle bolt flume plan. <laughs> With this master stroke of getting into the SUV and saying, Kate, we got to go. Mabuto and Lady Smith are, meanwhile, in a standoff. Everybody has a gun. Yeah. Uh, Jeep and ain't easy is what I wrote. Jeep and ain't easy, y'all. While Lady Smith and Mabuto are distracting each other, Kate lies down in the front seat of the Jeep with her feet against the driver's side door. And MacGyver lies down in the back seat of the Jeep with his feet against the the driver's side door in the back. I know MacGyver does, but I think that she doesn't immediately because they do come up to the door and see her sitting there. Oh, that's true. But he says, follow my lead. So yeah, that's what she's going to do. Because his MacGyver plan trademark part four is hit him with a thing. Right. So this is the Supreme Ordeal. <laughs> There's going to be some kick fighting. It felt like an ordeal to me. Door bashing, tripping, guns being pulled on people. Yeah. It's three on three. Uh, someone, and of course, someone says bad at fighting three times and MacGyver <laughs> makes short work of Candyman. Yeah, but Lady Smith and MacGyver fight the longest. Theirs is the, uh, eventually Cuba Gooding Jr. gets a gun drawn on Mabuto and Kate has the gun drawn on Captain Candyman and then Lady Smith and MacGyver are still fighting and of course, by the end of it, they're hanging off the dam. Yeah, because Reckenbach falls this motherfucker. That's what it's got to be. So they're um, hanging off of it. This is such a common 80s, 90s thing where somebody is hanging off the bridge and the bad guy's hanging off the good guy. And the good guy, because he's got a heart of gold, says, hang on. Like, he's not going to let the bad guy die this way. He wants he to does. kick punch him to death on solid ground. But, but Lady Smith does not hold on. No. Because he's such a villain. He deliberately drops to his death. You lose, MacGyver. 
<laughs> in an incredible turn of poetic justice, he falls and his his broken body is impaled upon the stolen rhino horns in the crate below because they're fighting directly over the barge that was transporting. And a dramatic wah wah is heard amongst the land. Yeah, Kate, wah, wah. Kate looks away. She can't even look at this. Yeah. Um, and that's the end of the ordeal. And now we go to the reward and consequences part yeah. of the hero's journey. This we we're blazing through this, yeah. man. Now we're in Act Five. The reward is literal in this episode, just as the <laughs> the uh, ordinary and special worlds were very literal. The reward is very literal. It is the stolen rhino horns, and they are brought back to the ranch. So let's do a little role playing here, where you're Billy talking about how he's going to use the money to fund his next expedition, and I'll be how MacGyver convinces him to um, not do it. And I'll point yeah. to you when the when the convincing works, okay? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take that 50K reward Billy. money and I'm going to finance a trip to Russia to Billy. catch a guy that ran off with Fabergé eggs. Billy. Because you're right. I guess I should give it back to the rhino conservation effort. Which is ironic because MacGyver says Billy three times and summons a bunch of guilt. <laughs> I'm like, you work in a mailroom, dude. Like, maybe give 10K of it, About it. to the rhinos. They'll be super happy yep. and keep 40K for yourself. And, and like get a master's degree or something. Like, who knows? Yeah, make something of yourself. Fucking, it's an heiress. I'm sure she's probably doing yeah. fine what with money and everything. Also, <laughs> this lady is played by James Earl Jones's wife. Really? No, that's real true. That's for true. She, uh, that's for true? <laughs> what am I, Nell? <laughs> T-top taying in the wind. That for true. <laughs> um, sick Nell joke, y'all. I hope you appreciated that. No. Uh, no, that is a, a true fact that the lady who plays Kate in this was James Earl Jones's wife <laughs> until her death in 2016. Wow. I know. I feel like I've seen her in other things. I'm sorry I did not have a lot of time to research. There was so, so much to do with this episode without so researching. Cameos. I got super oh distracted God. all the time. Um, so anyway, Kate gets her horn bonfire in front of the world press. <laughs> her whole idea is we're going to burn these horns in front of the world press. Literally millions of dollars going up in smoke. Yep. And she's making the point that the horns should be worthless and would be worthless if the worldwide import ban were actually enforced. Right. By governments and everybody claps and there are a bunch of people in suits and we assume they're important and decision the makers and whatever. As well. Yeah. And Billy says, do you think it'll work MacGyver? And MacGyver says, I hope so, Billy. I sure hope so. And then, then <laughs> this is over. we get a Richard Dean Anderson voiced PSA. He comes straight up at you with mm -hmm. a voiceover saying that uh, black rhinos are endangered and that they will be extinct by the year 2000. So suck it, mullet Dean craphead. We did it. <laughs> we fixed the problem. Actually, populations decreased significantly in the years following this episode. They oh. got even lower than they were. But around 2000, they started going back up. That's nice. And though poaching hasn't stopped, their numbers are still on the rise. In terms of the hero's journey, I guess the ordinary world would be one in which Rhino populations are stable, so we still haven't returned, no. but we're closer than we were. We got that elixir to help out all those animatronic rhinos just yet. <laughs> right. oh my God. Um, based on uh, the website of the World Wildlife Federation, between 1960 and 1995, black rhino numbers dropped by a sobering 98% to less than 2,500. Yeah. Since then, the species has made a tremendous comeback from the brink of extinction. 
thanks to persistent conservation efforts across Africa. But rhino numbers have doubled to between 5,042 and 5,455 today. However, the black rhino is still considered critically endangered, and a lot of work remains to be done to bring the number up to even a fraction of what it once was and ensure it stays there. Wildlife crime, in this case poaching and black market trafficking of rhino horn, continue to plague the species and threaten its recovery. So it looks like Ladysmith is gone, but the, the trade continues. It does. I'll tell you what, it, there's there's some things to make you hopeful and some things to make you less hopeful about. Uh, Japan is developing a synthetic ivory, uh, cool. as far as the, on the poaching front. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mostly... It's obviously, related. It is related. I, I, a lot of my research and my attention goes towards elephants, but it is the same sort of market. It's, it would be different if there were if it were like... Oh, these black rhino horns cure cancer. So, yeah. but they're just—they don't. They're placebo effects. That's, they're ornamental. Yeah. It's not doing anything for people's lives. It's ridiculous virility, hokum. Yeah, um, like the same with shark fins. It's yeah. just all these very fierce creatures. It's like, oh, we can channel some of that fierceness somehow if we cut off their natural defenses and we consume it, which right? Is the powdered form, which is just the worst human hubris. It, it truly is. is. It's just, just so senseless. So yes, Japan has developed a synthetic ivory that they're hoping to make mass producible and then flood the ivory market, making all ivory worthless. Nice, which would be an amazing thing. What else would be an amazing thing is because ivory, because poachers and their the items that they trade are often used by African and Middle Eastern terrorist organizations as a means of currency because it's Ooh, untraceable. Yeah. It would be great if our defense department seized on that opportunity for conservation in order to stop that trade and make it more difficult for terrorists to buy weapons with ivory or rhino horns or, or, or these sorts of things. Unfortunately, to my knowledge, the Defense Department is not interested in conservation. Uh, instead, sends their sons out there to shoot rhinos and, oh, and lions in the face. Hey, by the way, fuck you, anybody who does big game hunting. You're a piece of shit. That was so, so unequivocal. Yeah, it was. Look at this. This this episode teaches you that you can be an heiress and do good stuff. Yeah, and conserve. According to the WWF website, rhinos are one of the oldest group of mammals virtually living fossils. Mm. They play an important role in their habitats and countries like Namibia. Uh, rhinos are an important source of income from ecotourism. The protection of black rhinos creates large blocks of land for can- conservation purposes, which benefits many other species, including elephants. There you go. If you want to do a fun thing for Christmas, mm-hmm. this is actually what I usually get my mom every year is I go to the WWF website and I adopt. She likes sea turtles. I adopt a sea turtle for her, what? but you can adopt a black rhino. Oh, I'm going to do that. And you get a little adoption kit with a certificate, and you get a little stuffed animal, what? and it's like a super fun gift to give someone who doesn't need any stuff, you know, and just be like, there's one more animal out in the world that's preserved because of this donation you, in your you, name. Can you adopt an elephant? I'm sure you can adopt an elephant. You can adopt hey all kinds of stuff. In fact, I would say, uh, folks, why don't you go to this website, and if you'd like to show your support, not just for us or barely for us, but show your support for this issue. Why don't you 
know, let's get a, a hugging and learning adopted rhino Aww, or elephant rhino. or sea turtle. We, Our little mascot. Rhino. We can name it MacGyver. Yes. Oh, that's Guys, a good idea. this is an amazing idea. Where do they go? Worldwildlife.org. Mm-hmm. I will put the link in the liner, no- uh, liner notes, in the episode notes, and then also on the website, of course. Richard Dean Anderson seems to have actually cared a lot about this cause, mm. um, and he did press around it at the time of the episode's release. There's a YouTube video I'll include where he talks about the rhinos and how much it means to him that people become aware of this issue. And the voiceover in the episode refers to MacGyver as James Bond with a social conscience. Hmm. And he said, um, says Anderson doesn't want to preach to his audience only to suggest ways to deal with important global issues. Fair. And so I wrote a note to myself. He's a very special action hero. Oh, very special action hero. Aww. Yeah. On this very special episode of James Bond, James respects a woman. James actually asks a woman what she wants and then respects it. James spies on the global political powers that create supervillains. Yes. He punches the patriarchy in the face. <laughs> As such always to tyrants, says James Bond. A little bit of history for you, James Bond's not good. But seriously, I'm going to go look up that website. Oh, shit. You can adopt an African element elephant you can adopt a pygmy elephant guys fucking adopt us something okay i am going on there and i'm going to adopt something it's a real fun thing to give someone or to give yourself to make yeah, yourself fuck feel I'm like it to, myself. <laughs> to be like hey man this year instead of buying a bunch of shit you can just like make a little donation yeah. and, and be like and next time you see a picture of an elephant or if you're my mom a sea turtle be like that's mine that's, that's my one. one that's macgyver the rhino <laughs> yeah MacGyver <laughs> the rhino help us guys yes. help us help not us save forget all what i was like trying rhinos. to say about helping me uh, avoid spicy snacks i will eat spicy snacks <laughs> Help us get a black rhino named MacGyver. God bless you. If if we get a black rhino named MacGyver, Andy will eat whatever spicy snacks. Yeah. You oh, say. that's the thing. If you you can that could be the 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 last name of the rhino can be the spicy snack that I have to eat. I will eat a solid ghost pepper on this show. <laughs> MacGyver ghost pepper. MacGyver ghost pepper the rhino. No, seriously, I will throw that out there. If you donate on behalf of uh, hugging and learning and yourself, if you adopt one of these animals. And it's a rhino name MacGyver bonus points. You 100% get to tell me what horrifyingly spicy thing to eat. We will record it. I will cry. Yo, yeah. Scream. No, no, no. Fall out of your chair. The whole thing. And then I'll thank you for it. Yep. So that's an opportunity for you. All right. So let's talk about hugs and learns. Woof. I learned a shit ton about black rhinos, Same. not just from my own research, but from the episode. The episode yeah. does a real clear job of laying out the facts about the rhino population and the terrible state it was in and still is in. Yeah, I, I'm. you know what? I'm just going to say the same thing. I learned a lot about black rhinos and conservation and the problems facing them. I don't know that it was, you know, the most in-depth exploration. A lot of stuff had to be simplified for a 45-minute hour-long video, yeah. or episode, rather. But I feel like they got the point across, and the import ban making it Im- impossible to move ivory or rhino horns across country lines does nullify the need for poaching, in a way. Right. And it doesn't kill it, but it certainly yeah. makes it more difficult. Yep. Um, and uh, who did we want to hug? I mean, I wanted to hug Billy. I guess I actually really want to hug that chimpanzee. Oh, I want to hug that rhino. Even though I know it's animatronic and I made so many jokes about it, I want to hug that rhino and be like, hey, sorry. Sorry, buddy. Maybe someday you'll make it to Disney's Jungle Ride. Tape that horn right back on there and ship you off to a Chuck E. Cheese. Put like a little bandage, like wrap around there, a little bow on there, little little hearts on it. Yes. Well, this is going to help me sleep at night, but it is unrealistic. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us on our foray into hour-long... Foray into drama. <laughs> into drama. Action drama. And mullets. And conservation and animal stuff. We appreciate it. And we had a good time with this one. Yay! Yay. So we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bring snacks. Bye. Hey, Chelsea. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching The Brady Bunch, Season 2, Episode 4, called The Un-Underground Movie. It's a Thanksgiving episode of The Brady Bunch, and you can watch it on Hulu or CBS All Access. Oh, that should be unproblematic. Unproblematic.